Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Trek, and it is a two-episode week of Star Trek. Two episodes, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and you're in a strange new world because I'm back in the captain's seat for this episode hosting, and I'm Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome back Jonathan Shorts, our Trek historian. Mr. Shorts, how are you? I am good, man, good. I, uh... Man, I am terribly interested in what you guys have to say about this season finale. And I'm glad that you're hosting because I kind of have a feeling you're going to have some interesting questions to ask. Well, I hope I live up to your expectations, but the expectation that I could never live up to, the greatest discussing Trek host of all times, Clarence Brown, my friend, how are you? I'm doing well, dude. But look, 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 I have given you a field commission. Just sit in that chair and do your thing. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so if that's all I have to do, if I get it that easily, you know, maybe just a couple of implants here, even though that's kind of cool because I do have ear implants. So that's kind of borgish, I guess. But yeah, cool. Well, I guess I'll take that. But how are you? What's going on with you? No complaints, man. Ready to dive in and talk about these two, what I consider very excellent episodes of Star Trek that we got this past week. So, yeah, starting off with Picard, and I can't wait to get into some of the details. And as always, for anyone listening, thank you. If this is your first time, if this is the 50th time, if this is the 100th time, or if you've been with us from the very beginning, as our friend Lee Shackelford likes to say, thank you. Your time is precious. You did not have to be here, but you chose to spend some time with us, and we appreciate it. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen Farewell, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Farewell. This is the 10th and final episode of Star Trek Picard, first streaming on the 5th of May, 2022. I should say that this is the episode that concludes the second of three series. So, some review, gentlemen. What I would like to do in this review is just go through each character and group our review in characters, and I'll you know announce them as we get to them. But just in general, some review, what do you think of this episode, or what did you think of this episode? Jonathan, what say you? I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm very well satisfied with the conclusion or very disappointed. Mm. It was a good episode. But was the buildup, was the answer to the buildup worth it? I don't know. Maybe we'll talk it through. I think we will, because I have a question that frames right around that. So good for you. So it sounds like you're of two minds here. But Clarence Brown, what are you? Hey, man, I feel like they firmly stuck the landing. I really, really enjoyed this finale. Now, as John just mentioned, getting there... May have been a little rocky near the end, but I feel like they answered most of my questions. There's still some I'm a little confused on, but I think overall it was a solid, solid finale. And did we need 10 episodes? Probably not, but they did stick the landing and I can appreciate that. 
Just to add one more thing, maybe we didn't need 10 episodes, but since we did use 10 episodes, maybe we should have had three more. I think some of the answers we got could have been drawn out a little more. The the problems that we got answers for, the questions we got answers for, the answers needed more time to be drawn out or explained through. It just felt very compact and just there, you know, like. Here's an answer. Be happy with it. Mm. Well, you guys are on point because either I have done this enough listening to the two of you that I am able to predict some of your thoughts or we're just all kind of synced up or whatever. I don't know, but I'm both of you. I agree with both of you. I enjoyed this, but I am of two minds, too. I like what you said, Jonathan. I like the fact that you said we might could have had more to beef it up. But on the flip of that, I also want to say maybe we needed less and had a stronger, tighter series as a whole. Mm. That said, I'm kind of back and forth on that. But for overall, did I enjoy the finale? 100% yes, I enjoyed it. It had some moments. It had some fan service. It had fan service in a good way. I enjoyed it. So that's me. So for the beats of the episode, what do you guys think? Do you think I went sad? Do you think I went thoughtful? Or do you think I tried to be snarky? What do you, what do you guys think? I'm always here for the snark. I think you went, uh, I think you took the poetic seriousness turn for this one. <laughs> Ooh. So let's see who was right. So here I go. Our past, present, and future all intersect. In the end, it is not the universe-shattering event that causes our eyes to mist. Instead, it is a smile, a nod, a raise of one's glass. Those are the moments that kick you in the gut in all the best ways because they say, you matter to me. Mm, very thoughtful. Very good. So th- th- those were my beats, and that's what I took away. You know, the reason I love talking trick with you guys is, is because, you know, we're open to change our minds and our opinions. And just with the beats, I have sort of kind of got a better appreciation for our conclusion. Just by thinking of it in a way that you guys kind of allude to in your beats. So Nice. So let's take it still thoughtful, and maybe this is still thoughtful, but let's talk about Talon for a moment. And specifically, I want to talk about the two Renees, that prophecy that the Borg Girardi gave last episode. But I also want to talk about or think about Talon's death or anything else regarding Talon that you guys want to talk about. So Clarence? Thoughts on Talon in this episode? I think once we got the foreshadowing or the prophecy from the from two of one that one Renee had to die, I think that was kind of the conclusion that we came up with that maybe it was Talon doing her shapeshifter thing and she would have to die in the end, unfortunately. But I do feel like her story was really, really strong as being a supervisor and I'm still trying to frame in my mind, like where in the timeline does she exist? Is this a future Laris that's come back to protect 
Renee Picard. Maybe that's what we'll find out. I don't know. But I do like her performance in this. It was strong. I do like the connection she had with Renee. And, you know, just seeing that this face that you don't quite know, but you know, <laughs> that's been with you throughout your whole life. And and finally, she finally gets face to face with Renee again. So I just thought all of that was strong. And we had Picard travel along with her to the to the launch site. And he really didn't do anything except was there when she, you know, eventually died. So I feel like her story was really strong. I really want to know more about her character, maybe in a some supplemental material or something. But I really enjoyed her. I, I think the actor did a great job and hats off to her this season. I think she was one of the highlights of this entire season. She was strong throughout. Yes, indeed. Jonathan, what say you? Really, that's not much more I can add other than other than like throughout. And now that you say it, I'm actually putting it together. Her performance was strong throughout this series. I have not once had a complaint, nor have I heard you guys mention a complaint as far as her performance. The two Renee thing, I did not draw that conclusion of this happening when the board, when two of one mentioned that. And I don't know, I was probably wanting something that was impossible. When they said two Renees, I just cannot get out of my head that the fact that Picard's nephew is Renee. And yeah. I just wanted that tie in somewhere, even though the timeline and all of that just is impossible. But I don't want to say it was a letdown. I just wanted more to that than to be what it was. But once we got it, like I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But I think... I can form a more rounded opinion if and when we figure out, as Clarence says, where her place is in the timeline and who are we exactly speaking to in certain situations. Yeah. Then I could then I could probably have a better opinion of it. But overall, I think it was good. We always talk about on this show about who they would kill off. I know that's a terrible way of saying it, but which character would give you just enough impact to tug on those heartstrings, but also not like upset you that they're gone. You know what I mean? And I think that was a good call. So, yeah. And if I may add real quick, I think they broke their own rule because didn't they say when she transforms, it takes 24 hours to transform back. I think so. Yes. She did it very quickly in, in this episode, in this, this finale episode, she changed back to herself at the very end, I believe. So, well, wasn't it the other way around? I thought it was, you know, once she goes to her original form, it takes 24 hours before she can do another. See, that's how I interpret that it. That made me sense. Okay. That makes sense to me. See, talk me now. That makes sense. <laughs> well, y- you guys were very thoughtful, so I'm going to be snark for the sake of snark. It has nothing to do with her performance. I've loved seeing this actress, anything she's done since her appearance a little over 10 years ago now in the time of the doctor on Doctor Who that said, what happened to her body? Did they just leave an alien body laying out there for anybody to come and dissect and whatever? (laughs) They didn't beam her back. They could have beamed her back. They could have, but they didn't show it. Reference that. Well, they didn't show Picard beam it back either, though. So, yeah. Or maybe it's just, you know, the the. Well, we know from the end of this, the travelers are the the supervisors of the supervisor. So maybe they beamed her back. And again, did it impact what I said? Did it impact the story? Absolutely not. But you guys were being so thoughtful. I said, let me be snark for just a moment. Yeah, well, thanks for bringing up a plot hole. Thank you, sir. (laughs) And speaking (laughs) speaking of plot holes, because I will go ahead and give my opinion before I ask yours. 
Dr. Soong in this entire story arc to me was, yes, we need Brent Spiner or yes, we want Brent Spiner in this series. Okay, he will be a ancestor and, oh, what can we do with him? This didn't really work for me. This entire bad guy arc didn't work for me. What do you guys think of the thoughts of his actions, the drones, and specifically the last thing we see with him, this con project? And Clarence, why don't you start? Yeah, this is this is one of the things for me that when we first got Adam Soong in the series, I was just thrown back a bit by him being here. Of course, he looks like the character did we, we saw him last season. So, I mean, once you get past all of that, uh, I started to like him in this. <laughs> and I think Brett Spiner acted his freaking tail off in this freaking series. I love seeing a different side of him. I think I really came to respect and enjoy that by the end. Now with some of the things with this storyline in this series, kind of quirky and weird and maybe misplaced. Yeah, but I think if we're going to have a villain with true motivations, a, a crazed mad scientist, I think he pulled it off very well. I agree with Clarence. I'm doing a lot of that here lately. Uh, <laughs> I do agree with Clarence. It, Brent Spiner's acting was top notch and I loved every minute of him being on screen. Yeah. With that being said, there is an argument to be made of was he there just to be there? Mm. Now, I get there's, you know, for a good story, you have to have if you're if you have a hero, you have to have a a villain. You know, originally we thought that to be the Borg Queen. We kind of watered that down. I wouldn't say water it down. It kind of took a different turn. Then maybe it was Q. Maybe it wasn't. But then we kind of started kind of coming over to his side and we started dying. So we still need antagonist. And I think that's just kind of the role that Dr. Soon filled for us. Now, giving him importance at the end by holding that folder up kind of makes it, you know, not as bad. And again, it was easy on easy for us to enjoy it just because we love Brent Spiner and we love the character and we love this acting. Uh, But it's just one of those things. I think if it would not have been there, I wouldn't have complained. I wouldn't notice the difference. Mm. Yeah. And I also think that maybe his form of being evil, like takes a little twist by the end of it. Because at first, what is he doing? He's um, he created Corey from scratch, apparently <laughs> not scratch, but, you know, genetic <laughs> engineering. So so I don't know if he's been using the Project Con from the beginning or now he's getting the folder and now he's going to do something a bit different. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I got from seeing that folder. I thought maybe he's going to change the way he does stuff a bit different. And this is going to carry on into World War Three coming up in the next 20 or 30 years whenever in the future from here yeah Yeah, i think and i think that folder was something that he may have proposed that was kicked back because we know he's been fighting with the politicians to get certain things approved so maybe that was a level of research that they just would not allow that he's thinking about going through with now Mm. so so let me reiterate and say whenever i say his story i felt could have been left out or just felt like this was giving brent spiner something to do He knocked it out of the park, as Brent Spiner often does. I just felt in the tapestry of the entire story, for me personally, I could have done without him. But both of you said very, very extremely valid points. So I just want to reference and clarify, 
my issue had nothing to do with Brent Spiner, more the character and its overall into the tapestry. That said, one of the moments that I really enjoyed in this was what I'm going to call Corey's revenge. <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. yeah. Delete that crap, man. <laughs> well, before I give thoughts, let me throw a question. And I know it's kind of a curveball, Cal, but do you think that writers put Dr. Soon in for the purposes of Corey? Or was Corey in for the purposes of Soon going forward? Ooh. Like, who's going to be more important to the trick timeline? Ooh. Well, I will say that based on a tweet that the actor who plays her sent out, she basically gave a farewell to Soji. But interestingly enough, she did not say anything about saying goodbye to Corey. Does that mean we will see her again in Picard season three? And if so, if the answer to that question is yes, then that makes Dr. Soong's story in season two integral for her to be in season three. So that invalidates my whole point, if that is the case. For me, in thinking about the, the, the actor, I think she has potential to be in stuff well past season three of Picard. I think she's going to have same, sort of the same problem that Data had. She has to kind of look the same all the time. So as long as she can look the same, she can be in anything going forward, uh, either as the um, Traveler, which we'll talk about, or working with the Travelers, or being Soji as well. So I think as for that actor, she has a lot of life left in Star Trek. Now, I do feel like going back to a point that Cal made at the, midway through the season, I feel like both of these people were shoehorned in contractually to be in this season. I think they just had to kind of find a way to put them in there. There was only so much you could do with these characters. And I think they did a good job if they had to put them in a season when we're going back into 2024. And if you want to look at it compared to Elnor, they pulled off having them in episodes contractually a lot better than what he got. Yep. He got the short end of the stick on that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but let's assume that stick is a magic wand and somebody waves the magic wand and we see the return of a character. We see the return of Wesley Crusher. Gentlemen, <laughs> Wesley Crusher. This is not Journey's End, Season 7, Episode 5. This is Picard, Season 2, Episode 10. Years and years and years and decades later, Wesley Crusher, thoughts? Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what I have to say on him is I like the story elements that they brought up to bring him back. Him being with the Travelers, which is his group, which I guess they're trying to retcon into being part of the whole Assignment Earth supervisor group. They're trying to loop all that in together. That's what I'm getting from that. Is that what you guys got? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So pretty good story justification to have them in there. Now, all that being said, I have to go back to what Jonathan says every time we talk about the ready room. He is almost too much of a fan and I cannot <laughs> watch him. I can, I cannot, although I really liked him being in here, it's hard for me to uh, separate fanboy Will Whedon from actor Will Whedon, you know? It's because it's, I can just see the fanboy in his face every time I see him talk. <laughs> and I know that's bad, but I, I thought it was good that he was in here. 
But John, what 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 you, what'd you guys think? <laughs> Yeah, I I had the same issue uh, in that scene. Is like I just for some reason I just felt like it was a ready room interview, and it's it's that that big goofy grin he has, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> but I mean, and if you think about it, if you go back to the Wesley Crusher, and I know he's you know all grown up, but Wesley Crusher in TNG, like it was hardly ever a smile. Yeah, you know what I mean. He was yeah. always more on the serious. No, that's kind of what made him stand out amongst the other kids his age. And here we just get a very jovial Wesley Crusher. Now, that being said, I I love that we put a bow on his story from TNG. Mm. I love the way he turned out. Like that was a a point of curiosity for me in TNG as to what happened to Wesley after he joined the Traveler. Like that would be something good to know, and he, and Wesley's Crusher, Wesley Crusher's character has always been that kind of known as the, I don't want to say throwaway character, but like just the least liked, maybe I don't know. There's always he always got the butt of the Star Trek jokes. Yeah. So I'm glad to see him come full circle and have some grand importance to the Trek timeline. And, and maybe the most powerful of them all. He's the right. freaking Time Lord now. <laughs> He's our Doctor Who of Star Trek. Yes, that whole, would you like to go with me and travel through time and space? Yeah. It, it, it worked. It did work. Now, I do say this. I don't see where that necessarily fit into our finale at the moment. That I felt like that was just kind of put there as fan service. Mm. See, I actually disagree with you. And I disagree with you because of your own question you asked me earlier, which was what happens to Corey after this. I thought I liked that something actually did happen to her, considering the fact that at the beginning, the first time we see her, she can't even go outside the house. So she's basically this character that should not have been that then goes and becomes something far greater than her creator would have even imagined for her. And that I really, really like. Yeah, I can agree with that. I just, I don't know. It just felt like, again, one of those contractual things or, you know, maybe he's been saying, maybe he said, hey, I'm doing all these ready room interviews and nobody's (laughs) watching. I want to be part of it. And, you know, because he's Wesley Crusher, why not? I'm not ba- I'm not mad about it. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I just felt like it was not needed. Well, I mean, also, when you think about the Travelers as a group that are, if you lump the Travelers in with the Assignment Earth people or the supervisors, then all of a sudden you have to question, like, what is the Time Investigation Agency? I can't remember the name of it. The one from DS9 and then the one right. from Voyager, the USS Relativity. Like, why do we even need those if we have a greater organization that's keeping time intact you know right. so it just brings up a lot of questions but i did like it so i'm curious to find out what you guys like didn't like thoughts on q's death the revelation that q was dying and his scenes with john luke i'm curious i need more information <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like is q's death i mean obviously it's not the death we assume but what's that process and he didn't have power, and then all of a sudden he has enough power to send their people back home. Like, where did he get that power from? And if he's dying, and he told Picard he'll see him out there somewhere. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I need, a, I need more information. 
Mm. I, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. He's dead. He mentioned using the last bit of his power to get them back to their timeline. Uh, so, yeah, as far as this being the arc of what you're seeing really is a God dying and a God dying alone. And what does he do? He reaches out to that one person, although at times maybe his plaything or his, you know, fo- foil, I don't know if that's the right word, but he looks at him because that's his only friend. Now we can make some, we can maybe say maybe Janeway might fit in there a little bit, but you know, he, that Picard is his friend. We know this from all the episodes we've seen him on. And when he's dying and is alone, what does he want to do? Give one last gift to his friend. And I just thought all that was just well-written, just beautifully shot. And we always talk about the acting, the acting from John Delancey, and Patrick Stewart in those scenes was just amazing and very heartfelt. And you see the finality of these characters, but also you see these two actors that are getting really old. And this is, you know, they don't have much work left as actors. So you see it's very deep. It runs deep to me. And I, I really appreciated that. Mm. So let me ask this. Is it I mean, he says he did it just to help Picard and to help a friend. That was his only goal. But by doing what he's done, did a lot. And if it wasn't for him doing that, maybe would have lost lost the galaxy. Because by sending them back in time, we lose, we get two of one, which maybe we never would have gotten two of one, which means then in that future timeline, we wouldn't have saved the galaxy. So, mm. but Q is a god and he had to have known that. So did he do it just for Picard or was that a, I don't know. My head hurts. Well, yeah, no, I, I think. I, well, let me say this real quick. I think you have the right idea, but you didn't take it all the way to the conclusion. He did it for Picard. But if if we would have never had two of one, that threat, which we don't know if it's natural or not, that was shot toward the Federation. Now, I guess it was going to consume a lot of planets that would have still happened. So th- just take away Gerardi coming back, take away Picard being summoned like a bunch of Federation planets would have got destroyed by the what we're assuming is a natural phenomenon at this point. So did he help Picard? Yes, but he also helped a bunch of people down the line, you know? Yeah, and I guess that's kind of where I get my opinion of, you know, was it enough? Was, was the answer enough? Like, I this whole Q thing, like we threw so many, it's like the burn thing all over again. Like we had so many theories as to what Q was doing and it term comes to find out it was just a sentimental thing for a friend, which, okay, it's great. And I love that. I do love it. I do love it. I like the way that turned out. And you see in a level of emotion from Q that you never really saw, but the buildup was to something grander to me. Mm. Also, I keep saying love is the final frontier. He showed Picard how to, get past something that, you know, we didn't know about, but something obviously that has shaped him, that has caused him to be great, but has also tormented him also has caused him not to be able to have a mate or a companion. So he's helped them in that aspect as well, because again, Q, if not for Picard would have died alone and he would, he didn't want that for Picard as well. Yeah. And I, I get it. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, what trick is about, right? It's like what wins out over greed and 
lust for power and all that technological advancement at the end of the day, it's like our emotions and what makes us human. Yeah. And that was an example of it, if nothing else. So I, I do get it. And I appreciate that. I just, like I said, I just, I just felt like the payoff wasn't worth the build up. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So guys, let's, uh, let's get on into Rios and let's talk about him for a moment. He, the fact that he remained, I don't think any of us were surprised that he remained, but what were your thoughts about his staying in the past? Clarence, what did you think? Yeah. So we called this one, man, several episodes ago. Like when he started having that bit of love interest, we were like, oh, he, he's at least I was. I was like, he's not going back. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I called that correctly. The writing was on the wall. Now, that being said, there's some interesting things when you think about what happened. And this is something, John, I'm I'm need some clarity on when we speak of World War Three which if I were to reach over to Strange New Worlds, we know it still happened and we saw it actually happen on video. <laughs> Where is Rios during all of this? We are we get word that he lived out a life with Teresa and the son, and the son became vital in the cleaning up of Earth at some point. But how did he survive World War Three, Or did he? Or did he have to live through it? This is 2024. First contact is 2063. World War Three had to happen somewhere in between here. I'm thinking. I would guess he he survived. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean that's I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, and I really didn't put that much thought into it. And I remember when we first started Picard, like I think we were mentioning favorite characters, and I think Rios was like my second favorite behind Elnor. Uh, and I really did like him, but at this point, like I could care less whether he stayed or left or, or went. Not not in a bad way, but like I was okay with him staying, and he seemed like he was happy. And he alluded to the point that I never really fit into your generation. Uh, I just I felt like I should have been here. That being said, I mean I'm sure there's a lot of people survived World War Three, and maybe he was one of them. Yeah, yeah, they kind of took everything that was cool about Rios and stripped it away this season. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I will go so far as to even say that in the credits that I was looking on Memory Alpha, he is listed as with Santiago Cabrera as Christopher Rios, you know, not as a main cast member. He literally was regulated, you know, to that. So he he was in many ways just written out of the story. Make way for the TNG cast, I guess. I, I just have to, I have to, I have to go back to the timey-wimey of it all. There's an effect of him staying, and I don't care how how less of an impact he thought he was of the future. Even if he was on a ship by himself with holograms, he's done some things that he's not going to do now. Mm. But John, what if he was always supposed to be in the past? Right. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because that is very well. That could that could be true. That does not negate the fact that he was born in the future and traveled back to the past. Because if we say if we say that he can't travel back to the past because he was born in the future, we can also then not say that people born in the past can't travel and exist in the future. Hence, we would have to negate everything that's happened, you know, on Discovery Season 3 forward. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. Yeah. So before we move on, I do want to kind of go back really, really quick to Q's death. And I want to comment on something that you guys were talking about a little bit earlier. You know, 
I loved hearing you guys go back and forth, giving your thoughts and where you thought Q lied. And was it a payoff? Was it not? Did it fall or did did it not? And the thing that stuck out to me was, Jonathan, you made the reference of, you know, we had the burn and the burn felt like it fell flat. I a million percent agree with you that the burn felt like it fell flat on Discovery. A million percent agree. I don't think Q's death and his focus on Picard and the folk and the bigger picture, I don't think they necessarily had to be mutually exclusive. If you look at it from the Q thinking, and we don't know what it's like to be able to think as a Q, but just assuming that he's got a near omniscient thought process. I could see that his brain could possibly calculate a hundred times greater, a thousand times greater than humanity could. So he could be working out all these different variables in his head all at one time. And the only other thing I would mention on that is with his snap not working at one point, but working later, if his body, if his existence is dwindling, then Maybe sometimes the snap works, sometimes it didn't. Maybe he had burned up enough energy or whatever. I can wrap my head around all of that. But I do think both of you had valid points, but I just want to mention that. And I, I guess I'm just I'm curious because the all of the interference with Rene Picard and getting Dr. Zoon involved and helping Corey out, like it... Like you said, maybe he's just calculating all these variables at once. And maybe all of these things had to be in order for him to bring Picard back to for Picard to see this past and be able to acknowledge and let go in order for him to for Picard to be able to do that and the timeline not be affected. Then maybe Q had to affect all of these variables to, you know, guarantee the timeline stayed like it was. Maybe Mm. that's the case. I don't know. I just. Like, I felt like I wanted more of an answer of why he had to get Dr. Soon involved. Why mm. was he at the Europa uh, Europa Mission headquarters? Uh, why was he watching Renee? Why was he Renee's psychiatrist at the time? Mm. Like, what was his goal? We tried to figure out if he was, you know, was he trying to help? Was he trying to hurt? Like, we don't know that. We didn't get that answer. We just got... He was trying to help Picard. So maybe what Q was actually trying to do was this. Be able for me to meta in the real world, be able to ask you this question. And here's my question. Are there two Borg factions now? Yes. I have a yes. (laughs) I don't. I think Gerardi has waited in the wings for 400 years. Really? Yeah. So there's two Borg queens? Well, the Borg have been all but decimated now in Picard's timeline, you know, from last season. So maybe I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can get on board with that. I think they even alluded to the fact that in both timelines, the Borg are destroyed. So pretty much in the Confederate timeline, the Borg were decimated and pretty much in the normal prime timeline, they were decimated. So so not so not two factions it's just a new Borg. Maybe. Yes. They've regenerated. <laughs> yeah. Were you guys shocked to see Gerardi as 
what you know what we've been speculating. I, I think the answer to that across the board is nobody was shocked by that, right? No, we called no. it. Yeah, we knew that. But this is the thing that I, th- specifically when I saw this on screen, Jonathan, I actually thought of you and I said, I've got to ask Jonathan about this, the star chart. What did you think when you saw that map? Did it make your brain start firing or was did you already know that or thoughts? What star chart? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused. Well, yeah, what star chart? <laughs> oh, wow. Every t- everywhere I've looked online, people are talking about this left, right, and center. There's a map that they show of all the planets, of where the planets fall. And hmm. I didn't even notice. I guess yeah, I was I didn't the story. <laughs> so you tell us, what about the star chart, sir? Oh, well, there's actually a star chart. Wow, you guys have surprised me here. There's actually this planet, not necessarily a star chart. Maybe I said it wrong. But it's a map of where all these different planets fall in the um, Federation. And there's some Klingon space that it looks like that they're showing. But they name or they pan across this big map as the Borg Queen is doing what she's doing to create this barrier. And Clarence, did that barrier look familiar This when they synced all the ships together did that look familiar? Had you seen anything like that lately in the last mm, six months to a year? The barrier. Uh, well, some of the way, I guess the little energy beams were sort of reminiscent of the Federation headquarters in the future. A little. Mm-hmm. Give it that. Well, I can tell you what I thought it looked like, but it's nothing about Star Trek. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> it, was, it was uh, what Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, yep. (laughs) That's Mm. what I immediately thought about. Well, um, I thought it reminded me of my enemy, Chris Chibnall's finale of Doctor Who Flux with the shield of these ships that it it had in that episode. Ah, gotcha. That's kind of what it looked like to me. The Lapari? Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) All right, so we've talked about that. We know Elnor returned. Any thoughts on Rafi and Seven? Uh, about time. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Referring to the kiss specifically. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. I mean, it was about time. What I liked about it the most was the real world energy that I kind of felt for it. Because I could tell after it happened, you could see like they were a little awkward looking and stuff. So um, I-, I enjoyed the real world meta aspect of seeing them actually do the kiss. Um, so yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I want them to have adventures of their own in the future. Yeah. So I can't, I just, for some reason, I can't get on board with that relationship. <laughs> the inter- and, and not that it's two women. It's, I just don't see them being romantically involved. I don't know why that is. Like, I, I just, I don't, it doesn't, they don't match well for me. It was almost like they're too much alike. Maybe that's yeah, because the the thing that keeps popping in my head is like sisters, mm. right? Like I, I feel like they should be sisters, and I would love to see episodes where they're out taking on the world or taking on the the cosmos. But I just don't see them in a romantic relationship. I don't see Seven being in a romantic relationship <laughs> with anybody, really. Didn't we try that with Chakotay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure that I agree with either one of you. I. I kind of agree in different ways with both of you. I like both characters. Both actors are very strong. I would say that 
regardless of the things that Seven has had happen to her, I think at this point in their perspective character growth of each character, Seven has it a little bit to, more together than Rafi does. I'm I'm willing to see where it would go, but I think it may have just been a kiss that was a kiss and that's all it was and there won't be anything else. Not because they don't want to, as the writers pursue it, I just thought that that was them in the moment. Well, maybe. Well, let me add this real quick. I did listen to a Twitter space live. I think it was earlier today and it was Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd and they were talking about the actual kiss and they were saying like, we haven't seen everything that's happened off screen. So this is not their first kiss. This is just a kiss that happened in a moment <laughs> in their mm-hmm. story. So um, it, in their head canon, anyway, there's a, there's been more to the story. And I think there's been a book as well that came out about their adventures prior to this season. So there's more that we're, we haven't seen on screen. You know, if that's the case, I would be interested in knowing that. And I think I've mentioned on a couple other things, like if we had more of the backstory, I could be in, I could be on board with it. But because I have, they have not built that up to me yet as the audience, it feels like it's being forced. Well, mm-hmm. let's just wait into the adventures of Captain Seven and her first officer. Rafi. <laughs> ah. But before we move on, I do want to mention that we did have a scene, and I remember us commenting on it in the first episode where we kind of see what they've been doing since the end of Picard season one. And and if I recall correctly, the, the scene shows Rafi and Seven, and they're sitting at a table, and they're not holding hands, but they are... I don't know. One of them touches the other's hand and it's more than just a friend touch kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I'd, so so there have been hints seeded throughout this entire season, which I think is cool. Indeed. So last but not least, I want to mention Picard and Laris. He returns home and they have this brief moment. General thoughts really quick. Again, I think Clarence and I both mentioned this up top. I kind of need to know what version of Laris is this. Like, is is Laris Laris or is Laris actually Talon and still a watcher or maybe a retired watcher? Or maybe because Talon died in that timeline, she was brought back as just a regular person in a new timeline. But you know what I mean? Like, I need more information for that as well. But I do like that we finally got that coupling if you know what i mean i mean q's whole goal was to help picard be able to allow himself to be loved and we see that in this conclusion so i am very very happy about that yeah i agree beautiful book into the season we saw this early on in the first episode so beautiful book into the season you know we've seen picard go through various relationships that didn't work so yeah i'm, I'm glad that he actually has found love and is there more to this Lara story? I think if they aren't tied together in any way, it's kind of weird that she would look the exact same. At least give us some line, a throwaway line that kind of makes it make a, make a little bit more sense. But, you know, I'm happy for Picard. I did like I did. Again, I did like the book in and, and it's a great you know, end of the season. So before we move on, I do want to mention, since we've been talking about all the characters and I think it's public knowledge now that we've got the season three cast being joined by pretty much the entire 
cast of The Next Generation. It looks like the only returning characters, other than, of course, Picard, is going to be Rafi and Seven. Thoughts really, really quick. John, what'd you think about Elnor not returning? Uh, I did not know that was... I heard about... Uh... I heard about everybody else. I was still holding out hope for Elnor. Um, I'm sad about it, but not disappointed. I, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound mean, but I won't miss him. All right? I mean, I will. I would love to have him, but it's not like a detrimental part to the show. Yeah, but also I think the ups the upside for him is limitless because we we're going to see him somewhere again in the Star oh, Trek universe. I think so, absolutely. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, hundred percent. Totally hope so. And I think same thing can be said for Allison Peel's character with yep. her new, yep. as I as I like to say from the look that she has, Darth Vader without the mask in female form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess that kind of opens it up to anybody being able to play Jurati. Possibly. So in the future, it could be Jurati the Boar Queen we're talking to, whether or not it's Allison Peel. It really doesn't matter. Because, I mean, it's not, I mean, make a little bit of makeup can make yeah. quite a few people look that way, you know? Yeah. I would hope it would still be her. But, yeah, they did do a lot of digital makeover to the way she looked as a board queen. So, who knows? And and she could even evolve to look different going forward. We see how much she's right. evolved already. So. Mm-hmm. And she did say that she wasn't coming back. So Well, well look at the other three board queens. They were different if you put them side by side, but if you just look at them in a picture, immediately it's not that easy, in my opinion, to tell the difference between actor one, two, and three. Yeah, Yeah, I never could. Agreed. So one last thing before I want to say before we get into our final rating, just a note on Patrick Stewart. Thinking of I was watching this last Thursday when this came out, the brilliance of this actor, because in one day, Two franchises. I'm watching him. Two franchises one day. His very presence on both franchises gave me chills. Awesome, awesome actor. How many people can be said that in two franchises, same actor, same day, gives gives you chills? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, at what, 82? How old is he? He could be 820. He's 81. <laughs> yeah. At 81, he had one heck of a Thursday. Let's just say that. Yeah, yes, indeed. <laughs> he was, I would say, if I were to characterize that, he had an excellent day. Does that mean final rating? I think it does. Final rating. I'm going to start five out of five. Clarence, what say you? I'm giving this a strong five. Freaking loved it. Way to end the season, they didn't let me down. I thought they had potential to let me down, man, and they didn't. So, hey, I'm here for it. All right. Jonathan Shorts, what say you? Ooh, I enjoyed sitting down watching this episode. I sit down and watched it twice, and I enjoyed it just as much the second time. Am I disappointed in the way they ended a few of the stories? And it, yes, I wish it could have been explained a little further out, but Overall, for season finale and for the episode, based on the rest of the season, I have to give it a five. Ooh, five, five, five. Yay. So for everyone listening, did you agree with us? Did you like this episode? Did you not? Did you think that it fell short or did you agree with us on our five? Let us know. We would be glad to hear from you. And Clarence, if someone wanted to send us feedback, 
where might they send that feedback to? Yes, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias, as well as sending email into fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to say once again, Mr. Brown, thank you. This was so much fun to host Discussing Trek. And one day soon, I have to have an episode of Discussing Who, where you and or Lee is the host and not me. But for everyone listening, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. And as always, live long and prosper. listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.